So what that video was so eloquently going to explain to you uh, is the importance of eldership, the, the importance uh, for a pastor like me to have lay ministers, lay overseers, lay leaders, godly men elected by the congregation to come alongside to sit with me in leadership and to, to aid me in a number of different ways. And it's outlined in scripture as something we need to do, and, uh, and it's our practice here. So, and, and th- this morning, I'm going to call up someone who doesn't know they're coming up, which is exciting, but he's already been up here. Chris Swafield, come on up. And you can even stay on the stage, or, or you can choose your steps if you'd like. It's, it's up to you. So, uh, Chris, everyone, everyone, Chris. And uh, what you may not know about Chris, Chris is a man of routine. Are you not, Chris? He likes his routine. There's a certain breakfast he likes, I, I've come to know. He likes his naps in the afternoon. He's a man of routine. But, but those are kind of the, those are really the important parts of his routine. He, he's also a man who regularly, every day, spends significant time in the Word and s- significant time praying for all of you, for me, and for many other things throughout the city, nation, everywhere. Um, and, and I, I kind of wanted to recognize Chris uh, today. Not that the other elders aren't important, they're amazing. But in this season, you may not know that Chris has kind of had to go above and beyond or chosen to go above and beyond a little bit. You know, it, uh, it, it, it starts obviously with this prayer and devotion that he does every day as part of his, his routine. But he also is always reading pastoral leadership books. And, and he and I are always constantly going on about how to make the church better, how to serve the church better. And uh, he really invests a lot of time in that. He, he did some significant work this past season on our covenant to help us with that, to help streamline it, put word, words and verbiage that's a little bit better. Um, he also, he represented our church in the immerse assessment. If you don't know what that is, you can ask me after. Uh, but going down to Vancouver and representing the church, and, and this assessment was super heavy, but we come to learn that I think it was heavier for Chris than it was for me. Uh, 10 to 12 hours of meetings and interviews, needless to say, uh, he, he didn't get his breakfast of choice, nor did he get his afternoon nap those two days. And uh, about halfway, three quarters of the way through the, through the second day, Nicole and I, you know, kind of said jokingly, kind of jokingly, I don't know if Chris is going to make it out of here. Um, <laughs> he was, it, was, it was quite a long, hard process. And he endured it, not because he had to, not uh, because he was forced to, but that he chose to accept that. And he chose to go through something that was uncomfortable. It was very, very difficult. But he chose to go through it for me and for our church. And it's important to recognize people like Chris that do step outside of the regular role of elder and, and go above and beyond. And so uh, Chris, and even this, this Wednesday, you know, he led part of our town hall meeting. Chris, I have a gift. This is from me to you. And uh, I'm just so thankful for your friendship. And over this season, you've just really helped me a lot and helped our church a lot. And so I just want to acknowledge that. Thank you so much. And this is, this, Chris's journey and, and 
uh, this journey of eldership is, of a local church is pertinent to today's uh, study to, to what we're looking at. We've been going through a series called Ordinary People, Radical Joy, doing a, looking through the book of Philippians and, and finding some key lessons that we can learn. And, and today, today's message is called Joy and Honor. And we're going to learn about a guy named Epaphroditus. Try to say that five times fast. I won't. So Epaphroditus is this local elder. This local elder that comes in the picture, he gets a small bit of reference in Philippians in the New Testament, but he is really, really important to the local church. So turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians 2, Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read a bit about uh, Epaphroditus. Philippians chapter 2, we're going to go to verses 25 to 30, verses 25 to 30 of Philippians 2. And Paul writes this to the Philippian church. I hope in the Lord, oh, sorry, 25. (laughs) I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice in seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. First question that comes up, we, we, we got to ask the question, who is Epaphroditus? Who is this guy? Why would God see fit to include him in the New Testament scriptures? Well, here's a, here's a few things to, to talk about uh, what's referred to as, Philippi, as Philippi's messenger and a minister sent to Paul. Easton's Bible Dictionary says that Epaphroditus was the messenger who came from Philippi. Paul mentions him in words of esteem and affection. On his return to Philippi, he was the bearer of Paul's letter to the church. James Fawcett and Brown, they add Epaphroditus probably held the office in the Philippian church, a leading office in the Philippian church, perhaps as a presbyter. And that Epaphroditus had brought on himself by the fatigues of the journey a dangerous sickness. And that word presbyter, if that's kind of a little bit different word, another word for elder, overseer, a minister of a local church, a pastor, shepherd of a local church. And, um, uh, but now, now that he was recovered, he longed to return to his Philippian flock and in person to relieve their anxiety on his behalf in respect to his sickness. And, uh, To get one more bit of context here before I I, I expand on it, turn quickly to Philippians 4. Because Philippians 4, there's a verse where he's actually mentioned again. And we're not studying Philippians 4 right now, but I think it's important to go to verse 18. Philippians 4.18, and it says this. Philippians 4.18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus... The gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacred, acceptable, and pleasing to the God. To God, sorry. So, let's set the scene here. You've got Philippi, and you've got a local overseer, elder, pastor. His name's Epaphroditus. 
And, and he is, has a letter from the Philippian church, and he's going to Rome, and he's going to give it to Paul, but he's also carrying a money bag of offering gifts that the local church in Philippi is giving to gospel work. A couple of weeks ago, Chris expanded on Philippi being a city of wealth. Okay, there's some wealthy people in the church, and so there is other gospel other gospel works that are going on or things that are going on in Rome. So Paul, it needs money to continue the church. And this is like something that, that we do now. The only difference in their situation is it wasn't like they could just e-transfer the cash or give an email to send to Paul to let him know what's going on. This was a long journey from Philippi to Rome and, and the church elected Epaphroditus to, to take that money. He was obviously trustworthy and to take that letter and to go to Paul. But the problem is this is a long journey. It's a long journey through all sorts of different towns and villages and countryside. And there's no such thing as medical stuff or, or antibiotics and things like that. New people. And as we know, when we travel, every time you travel, you're, you're usually opened up to new sicknesses, new illnesses, new food, uh, different things like that that can affect our body. Somewhere along the line, Epaphroditus got really ill somewhere on the journey to the point where when he was in Rome, he almost died. But not only that danger of, of facing a long journey and the fatigues and potential illness of a long journey, think about it. He was carrying money. And through this journey, that's a risk in itself that he may get beaten up, that, he, that maybe he, he'd get robbed or mugged in some way. That is a potential danger. Praise the Lord, it didn't happen, but that is a potential danger. And so he's now, he's, he's in Rome, he's recovered, the Lord has saved him, he was on his deathbed according to Paul, and now, and now he, he's revived and he's ready to serve the Lord again. And, and Paul chooses Epaphroditus to actually take the letter that we now study. The word of God, the word that the Holy Spirit gave to Paul that we now study in the local church, Epaphroditus was the first man to take it to the early church. What an incredible journey. What an incredible responsibility. Who, he likely never knew when he received that scroll and that he traveled back to Philippi that, that this would not only build the church and further the gospel in Philippi and beyond, but that 2,000 years later there'd be a church in Whitehorse talking about him and the work that he did and his commitment that he was willing to take that journey. What a legacy. What a legacy for an elder to have in a local church. Incredible. Well, let's, I want to look at one verse in particular here quick, but before uh, we close, don't have a lot of time this morning because of all the exciting things, but uh, verse 29, it says, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. Receive, so Paul's talking to the Philippian church and saying, receive him with all joy and honor such men. Again, two weeks ago, Chris highlighted the culture at Philippi, wealth, status, prestige. In, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like cities and towns in Canada. We, we have a lot of wealth. We, we're kind of doing pretty good comparatively to the, the rest of the world. And sometimes in a society like ours, like Philippi, when there's money to go around, there's jobs to be had and prestige, and sometimes status and position can become the most important thing. 
And, oh, I have this job, or I got these letters behind my name on my business card, or I got this, I got this. And the prestige, the status becomes most important. And this is the Philippian culture. And yet here's Paul. Here's Paul, one of the main leaders of the overall church. And he says, receive Epaphroditus with joy. And he says this, and honor such men, for he almost died for the work of Christ. Don't honor him because he's got a great job and a great title. Don't honor him because he's got lands and possessions all over the place. Don't honor him because he's got a big money bag. Don't, don't honor him for all these things that are typical in Philippian culture. And I think we share in our culture. Don't honor him for that. Honor him because he was willing for the sake of the gospel, for the work of Christ. He was willing to give it all up. He knew, he knew going on that journey that he might not make it home. But as an elder in local church, he saw that that local church in Philippi and the work that was being done then was so important that they had to make a connection to Paul. They had to make a connection to the global church. It was vital. And so he accepted that responsibility. I'm sure the church, it sounds like the church loved him and was, and heard word of his illness and, and was really, was really disheartened about his illness and whether or not he'd be able to come back. And here he is coming back and we have we have the word, which means he made it. Isn't that fascinating? At, uh, at my immerse assessment, one of the students that were being assessed, uh, we had to choose a verse that was the most meaningful and preach a 10-minute sermon on the verse that was most, um, most influential to our life. And this one student, he chose... He, he chose John 3.30. So the Gospel of John, John's writing about the Gospel story and about Jesus. And there's a verse in, in John 3.30. It's a, it's, John says, I must decrease, but he must increase. And this student talked about his uh, struggle with pride. And that because of that struggle, and he just had to keep pressing in pressing in to that verse. And I know for us here in the Yukon, as a guy in the Yukon, it, it's, it's sometimes a, a struggle. Uh, there's so many fun things to do, so, much, so many amazing adventures, but for some reason, a lot of them cost money. You need gear and you need stuff, and, and it's like, you know, there's always a company out there to give you the latest Snow machine, four-wheeler, there's a new truck. And, and, there's, and, and, and status and two sets of Joneses can kind of overwhelm us. And it's like, oh, he's got that, he's got that. Man, why don't, why don't I have, don't I deserve that? Man, I, de- I deserve, you know, I want my thing. And, and this whole, this verse, it just, it just, it humbled me as well as this, as this young guy talked. And, and, and he's like, I must decrease but he must increase. The concept that it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about my preferences. It's not about my wants. It's not about my desires. It's not about my status. It's not about my wealth. It's not about my prestige. It is not about me. It's about Jesus. All right, there we go. It's about Jesus. And this, this is the same thing that Paul is talking to the Philippian church about, Epaphroditus. Here's where he, he's looking at the Philippian church. He's saying, you guys got to get it. It's not about your wealth. It's not about your status in the city. It's about Jesus. 
honor Epaphroditus, not because of what he has or because of his title, but because he almost died for the gospel. He risked his life to further the gospel. So for us, in our, in our day-to-day life, living in a country like Canada here, you know, we're celebrating this 150 years, and, and um, we have so many great things to be thankful for, but we really, it doesn't take much of a Google search to find out that we have a pretty great life. And there are many people, and if we think of the church, look at us. We're here, we're, we're celebrating Jesus, we're celebrating the gospel freely. There's no military coming through the door. Like, we're not, we're not in a cave or in some basement of some warehouse in secret. You know, not able to do a sound system. We'd have to whisper because we'd be afraid of who's going to shut us down. Like, those people deserve huge honor. That they come to church knowing that it might be their last day. Someday Canada might be like that. Are we ready for that? Is this, are we, are we that committed? Are we saying, I must decrease and he must increase? Are we to the point where it doesn't matter where the church is? We will, we will remain and we will be a part of it. That's, that's the joy and the honor is in that. And so as we, uh, as we move to the community table, I'll ask the elders to come forward. I don't, there's, there's some faces I don't recognize, some faces I recognize, and I don't know where you're at in your walk with Jesus. Um, I don't know if you just found yourself here. Go ahead and sit down, guys. Thanks. Um, Found yourself here on Sunday morning here, Canada Day weekend, and uh, you didn't really know what to expect. Um, but before we do communion, you know, it's our practice here to give every single person an opportunity to receive Jesus. And this whole, this whole concept with Epaphroditus and his work for the church, at some point, Epaphroditus... He was faced with eternity. At some point, doesn't tell us the story, but at some point he was faced with eternity and he made a cho- choice to follow Jesus. And he made that choice so, so fervently to follow Jesus that it was obviously recognized by the local church that they would elect him to be, to be an elder, an overseer, a shepherd in that local church, that he had gone so far in his faith that he was someone to be followed. But it started, it started, it always starts with a commitment to Jesus. Pausing, looking into eternity and asking ourselves, do I know where I will be when this life is over? And if I don't, then I need to ask myself some difficult questions. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father, heaven, no one's coming to heaven except through me. Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. Jesus and Jesus alone. And so, I'm going to pray before we take communion. And if you have never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Or maybe, maybe you've been in a season of rebellion, and you found yourself back in the seat of church, and you need to recommit your life to him. Well, that's fine too. Uh, but I want to give everyone that opportunity, wherever you're at, whatever you need to do, so that 
all of us, when we go to take this bread and cup, we're taking it knowing that our salvation is secure, that through Jesus, through his death on the cross, the blood that was shed, that we know that our eternity is secure. We can take that bread and take that cup in confidence. If you'd like to to pray that, just repeat after me. You can um, do it quietly if you like, out loud, I don't care. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done things in my life that separate me from you. But I know that Jesus died for that sin. That he took the penalty for that sin. And it's my desire today to accept your grace and forgiveness and choose to follow you. Please forgive me of my sins and bring me into your family and help me follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name.